everyone, welcome back to Sustainability Speaks. On today's podcast, we're very excited to welcome Mark from Natru. Uh, it's an organization behind natural and organic cosmetic certification standards. Uh, Mark, would you like to introduce yourself and tell us a bit more about your organization? Sure, pleasure. Thank you very much for the invitation to be here today. Uh, so yeah, I'm. my name is Mark Smith. My background is in uh, chemistry. Basically, that's where I took all my studies. Um, I worked in research for a bit before joining Natru about eight years ago. Uh, I'm currently in the position of Director General of the Association. So I'm basically in charge of the day-to-day management of the association and the principal activities of the association. So these are generally associated with advocacy. Um, so to push for better regulation for the terms natural and organic when they're applied to cosmetic products. Uh, We have a private standard, which allows for certification of uh, products and raw materials uh, to to basically verifiable criteria in the absence of an official regulatory definition. And we also work in uh, research. Uh, So presently, we are part of uh, a European funded consortium uh, to work in the area of sustainable packaging. What? problem would you say that you're trying to tackle what's the problem with normal beauty products so um basically natru was established uh in 2007 by the pioneers of the natural and organic cosmetic sector who have been around some of them now for about 100 years the purpose of forming natru in essence was to push for uh better regulation of how those claims are, are appropriated. And that's why we developed a private standard uh, to basically um, certify verifiable elements of a product, let's say the origin or the manufacturer of a, of a substance, in order to basically provide a, uh, let's say, uh, verifiable elements to look at um, how you would define the claims natural or organic. So the principal focus of our work is to basically have um, a better definition for what natural and organic claims are. Now, in terms of how this varies from conventional products, it really varies mostly in the aspect of we're looking at, as I said, the origin and the manufacturer. So we look at basically Uh, For example, that the ingredients come from non-GMO origin, and we look to see how they are manufactured, for example, using various green chemistry methods uh, to basically classify them into three categories uh, and only um, substances which are compliant with our criteria in terms of, for example, their origin manufacturer can be allowed in products. Um, So really we're setting a frame for what a natural or organic cosmetic should be. Um, And that's always been the basis of our criteria. We've introduced extra elements over time, which focus on, for example, environmental impact or sustainable sourcing. Uh, We've always had elements which uh, introduce like, for example, packaging criteria um, and also some uh, criteria for carrier materials like your wet wipes and things like this but our criteria doesn't let's say within the criteria doesn't explicitly say for example certain substances like I don't know like let's say parabens are banned but the fact is they are banned because those substances 
uh, are by definition like synthetic in origin and therefore they're non-compliant with our criteria. So you can find a lot of harmony between basically the consumer perception and expectation of natural cosmetics, i.e. the promotion of natural uh, natural origin substances and the reduction um, and severe limitation or exclusion of synthetic substances and um, certain substances which they consumers might not expect or want to have in natural cosmetics. But our approach has always been to uh, to set an official regulatory definition for how uh, natural and organic claims are are used, and that's that's why we have our advocacy wing. Of- as we know and have had the pleasures to experience uh, from, from the products that you've sent us, uh, you work with some great companies. Um, but I guess it would also be very interesting to hear how do you how you decide what companies to certify? Do they apply to you or do you seek them out yourselves? Well, it's a voluntary um, scheme. Uh, so basically, there's no obligation for any manufacturer to join the scheme. Um, So it's a voluntary private scheme allowing for third-party certification. But um, obviously, if you want to drum up support for the label, um, then, yes, you have to kind of go out to trade fairs, um, have a communication group, which we do, like within uh, the association, to basically fulfil elements of our mission, which is to protect and promote natural and organic cosmetics for the benefit of consumers worldwide. So we are basically promoting the label and the principle of promoting the label is also uh, has a kind of, let's say, a political capacity to it, because the more that uh, more label users we have, the more people are basically following our representation of natural and organic. And then that obviously gives us political gravitas when we're basically presenting uh, to political stakeholders uh, the fact that we want to advocate for better regulation of these terms, natural and organic. So we do have like a proactive approach to uh, to basically encouraging people to become part of the label and members of the association. But at the end of the day, uh, the choice to do that uh, is uh, at the discretion of uh, of the manufacturer. You did briefly touch upon this in your introduction. Um, about the sort of data that you consider when making the decision but the criteria is pretty strict so can you tell us a bit more about what data you look at when deciding where to certify a product yeah sure so the first the first thing for um to basically be applicable for certification uh, and let's just like stick with with finished products uh to begin with um, it's probably the most inclusive in any case, is that the product has to be uh, a cosmetic. So there are legal definitions for cosmetics in law, uh, and there are requirements for those cosmetics, uh, like, for example, to do with safety and labelling and, and such like. So the manufacturer has to comply with those baseline requirements. They have to be a cosmetic. The next thing we have is basically the ingredients that go into the cosmetic that are present in the raw materials all have to be um, validated in a preliminary step in the certification, which is basically a documentation check to look to see if uh, they can be classified into one of three categories. 
So you have natural substances, which are essentially those substances which are, uh, for example, physically extracted from a plant. Now, a simple example would be like, for example, olive oil. Um, or they could be products of uh, natural fermentation, like, for example, ethanol, um, both of which are common ingredients in natural cosmetics. Then we have a second category, which is called nature identical, which basically deals with various uh, pigments and minerals that you may find uh, in cosmetic products. So this may be colorants that are used uh, in makeups, um, for example, like an iron oxide or something in that, um, that maybe even could be used in a lipstick to give the red color, um, through to um, things like titanium dioxide that might be used as a, a general colorant or as a UV filter uh, in, a, in a sunscreen. In Nature Identical, we also have uh, a selection of preservatives, um, which uh, can be used, which are, again, Nature Identical. And Nature Identical is a kind of self, um, well, an easy to understand term in the sense that these are substances which do occur in nature, but basically it's uh, technically unavoidable to get them from nature, either because they're not produced uh, in enough quantity, there may be a sustainable uh, impact in their use, or just generally at industrial scale, uh, they are produced, um, like reproduced in the lab. We then have a last category, which is called derived natural substances. And this category um, basically takes a natural substance, um, like let's take, um, again, an olive oil, something like this, and we want to convert that olive oil into something else. <clears throat> so, for example, we want to make glycerin, which is a common component of cosmetics. Well, what we would do, we take the olive oil and we would break that olive oil up uh, and we would make glycerin. And perhaps if we added a substance like sodium hydroxide, we could make a uh, what they call saponified um, fatty acid, uh, which could be used in a soap. So those derived natural substances perform a particular function. And just like with the nature identical substances, there is a, um, basically a positive list of approved substances that uh, are allowed to go in the formula. And those are evaluated by a technical committee that we have that's built up of basically uh, external experts in the area of cosmetics in general and internal members of Natru. So after we've categorized each of these substances and assuming that all of them are validated and OK, we then have a second step, which is basically to look at the formulation. And principally, this is in two parts. One, can the product be um, certified as a natural cosmetic or as an organic cosmetic? And also we have a, a, a requirement which basically means that because there are a diverse range of uh, products on the market like everything from oral care to sun care um, shampoos shower gels body lotions and what have you and they all have different types of functionalities and uh, necess necessity for scope for innovation we also have formulation requirements which basically look at the amount of um, natural or organic content that, that basically goes into that formulation for a particular product category. 
Um, and we do this by basically looking at the ratio between natural and derived natural substances. We have other categories which look at um, sustainable sourcing, where we look particularly, for example, at palm oil uh, and ask for uh, various um, qualifications in that regard. So principally mass balanced um, RSPO certified palm oil, where that's available for certain substances. Um, and we also have biodegradability criteria, uh, packaging criteria um, and carrier material criteria. Um, and uniquely, Natru also has what we refer to as the 75% rule, which is a rule that was built into our standard to ensure that manufacturers would be um, committed to producing the majority of a line of natural cosmetics to the natural standard. So this means that if you're producing a line of natural cosmetics, uh, let's say 10 products in a line, eight out of those 10 products, uh, if you want to carry the, the natural label eight in that line, eight out of the 10 products in that line have to be certified to the natural criteria. And that's designed to basically not only have commitment from the manufacturer, but to also um, avoid the manufacturer anchoring their communication and their marketing on one or two certified products in a large range of, uh, let's say, near natural, nature identical, uh, bio inspired, whatever term you want to mean, could be greenwashed as well, uh, natural cosmetics. And um, after basically all of this documentation check and all of these criteria have been evaluated um, by the natural approved certifier in terms of their paperwork, they are then evaluated, those manufacturers are man evaluated at the site of manufacture by doing an audit. And only at the time that the audit is complete uh, are they basically um, considered uh, fully certified. So there are two steps, documentation check, going through the entire criteria, evaluating all of the substances, how they're made, how they're produced, plus these additional add-ons to do with like environmental impact, sourcing, sustainability and such like. And then um, we have the audit. And the audit is really there to basically um, you know, identify that what someone is saying that they are producing or being supplied by or how their formulation is on paper is matched when that uh, uh, manufacturer is evaluated uh, in person. So you currently work with over 280 global brands. And what's very interesting uh, to me, and I'm sure it's very interesting to our listeners as well, is that that's a very large number. And the cosmetics industry is also one of the most unregulated industries in the world, which is also crazy to think since literally everyone uses cosmetics. Um, by the sounds of it as well, you believe that natural and organic cosmetics are the way forward in terms of the impact that they have on human health and also on the environment. Given the fact that the industry is so unregulated and you work with so many different companies in different jurisdictions, how do you think it's possible to then achieve um, the outcome of more products becoming more more organic and more natural well i mean in in terms of uh just the fundamentals for all cosmetic products there are um regulations in law in basically well any jurisdictions you can think of uh, globally 
that set requirements for uh, cosmetics in terms of um, basically safety, because that's first and foremost uh, a legal requirement. And that's why that legal requirement doesn't fall under uh, the NATRU criteria, because it would have in effect be uh, a redundant piece of criteria, uh, criteria or redundant criterion. So there is already that aspect um, to do with safety. What there isn't is um, there's not an aspect to look explicitly at the environmental impact of um, products, um, the environmental impact of uh, ingredients that may be used in cosmetics is, for example, in the EU, uh, monitored under a piece of uh, law regulation that deals with all chemicals, no matter where those chemical substances are used, could be in cosmetics, could be the plastics that uh, make your computer or, or what have you. Um, so there are there are elements but yeah there's not a case to look at the um, environmental impact explicitly of products by law um but really and just like how why natru was started um there is uh no official definition for uh the claims uh, and this is really where it falls down is the claims of natural and organic so what i mean by that is basically for example how many natural ingredients have to go into a cosmetic product in order to um, uh, apply the claim natural without it being misleading to the consumer? Same thing for organic. How many organic ingredients have to go into that? But what we can say is that the, um, the interest in um, greener products, more environmentally um, friendly let's say that's a very soft claim of course but environmentally friendly products is increasing with the consumer and has steadily been um, uh, particularly in the last five years even within the last few years and um, through the pandemic um, there's been a lot of lot of increased um, consciousness in the consumer uh, about their their impact on the environment and so the consumer interest is um, obviously heavily driving um, this promotion of more natural, more renewable, more sustainable um, products. And that can include both what's inside the formulation, but of course the packaging. Um, but it's also the case that there's increased push from the regulator in some cases um, and in other cases, also from investors. So companies that are obviously investing in uh, particular brands, they may only invest in that area if they have an appropriate um, sustainable uh, or sustainability plan uh, for, the, for their products. So the, the increase that you're likely to see is really like as people are being seeing these as a more beneficial choice uh, overall. Now, um, it's also a case that when you look at natural cosmetics, of course, that they are by definition using living raw materials or raw materials that have come from living systems like plants or microorganisms or what have you. Um, but there obviously has to be a big impact on that to evaluate the sustainability of, uh, of those, um, because it would be great for all products to obviously have a, uh, an increased natural footprint 
But then there's also the case that you have to think about how that would work in practice at very large scale, because there may also be additional trade-offs uh, with like, uh, for example, you know, reduction in biodiversity um, or just like the, uh, the, the principal sustainable aspects. You have to think about your living with growing systems. Growing systems don't just happen overnight. Um, so there's also like a longevity approach there. But, uh, but yeah, it's difficult to kind of say like exactly how your numbers would grow. But what we can say is that the growth rates, um, particularly in the largest markets, like in, in Europe, for example, in Germany, have uh, basically, um, a, well, let's say about a kind of 10% growth rate. There's certainly about a 10% share of the market that are interested in natural cosmetics. And this is growing um, increasingly. There's an increasing turnover associated with natural products. But really at the core of it is that despite this increased interest, there is um, no particular change to do with the regulatory status of these products, which means that consumers can still be misled uh, by greenwash products um, and products they don't expect uh, to receive. So, for example, uh, a product claiming to be natural, which has a lot of synthetic ingredients in it or has certain substances which they don't uh, want to have in that particular product for whatever reason um, and that's why um, there is a certain certainty associated with private label schemes like our own um, because it's basically qualified what can be put into a cosmetic in order to appropriate the claim natural and organic and what can't. So we know that you were voted number six in 2021 in the natural beauty top 25. What does this mean to you and to Nature? It's a very privileged way of being recognised by um, those who are obviously voting uh, in this type of system. But we would hope to basically use this increased um, exposure and recognition of Natru uh, to obviously promote our particular activities. Um, so in, to that extent, it's not about me being presented, let's say, as uh, number what whatever in uh, in in the who's who it's really about the uh, the recognition and platform that that also brings to Natru to be able to build more collaborations uh, and to obviously like increase interest in the association and its activities and that can include our political activities it may include our labor activities but uh, I think that that's really what that that brings Great. Well, thank you so much for joining us, Mark. It's been a very interesting discussion. And thank you once again for letting us try some of your products. Um, and we very much recommend uh, our listeners checking out Natrue and seeing what products they have certified, what brands and purchasing from them, because um, we can confirm that they're fantastic. And thank you so much for a very interesting discussion. A pleasure. To all of our listeners, thank you so much for listening. We will include links to Natrue in the description of this podcast. And also make sure to follow us on Instagram, LinkedIn and Facebook for future updates. Thank you very much for listening.